the beats, the flow, the rhythm. All movements start from the streets. Streets saying our podcast. So yeah, man. But we are definitely here in the street saying our podcast, man. It's good to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling loose because uh, it was hot today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to do both my workouts, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Definitely had to go outside and run. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not as hot when you uh, actually running. I don't know. It cools you off pretty quick. Uh, if you're walking, though, mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to catch hell. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was a good day. My muscles feeling loose. Um, last week of my training camp in the morning mm. for this camp, been mm. a good camp. Uh, we got to get Johnny in there on the next one. <laughs> yeah. And we plotting, man. Yeah. We're trying, to, trying to get me in there. We're trying to improve, man. The last person we're going to get to work out is Montreal back there. Man. He going to be the last one. <laughs> but yeah, man. It's a good day, man. I ain't going to lie. It's a good day. Um, summer's here. Juneteenth is around the corner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's also Black Music Month. Mm-hmm. And in the name of Black Music Month, I know I wanted to get somebody on the pod who is black mm-hmm. <laughs> and is uh, not only a historian, but a trailblazer here, um, Just not just Omaha in the state and nationally, man. Um, a music head to the utmost. I ain't, I've never seen anybody... With such a deep library, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have the largest music vinyl record collection in Nebraska or the U.S. No, no, it's not the largest. Um, in my um, collection is world famous because of the content. Got you. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get into that. So I'm gonna have you expound. But man, I just want to introduce our guest. Uh, you may have seen him all the way on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. Man, we. He he had Higgs corner, but he and I corner today. So, yeah, Glad to be uh, here. We got Derek Higgins in the house, man. Right. Show him some love. <laughs> <laughs> got the production values going on here. That's what I like. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're not on we're not on Higgs corner. You know, we don't have no <laughs> wavy videos popping off during the music, but uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. This is awesome, Eric. I love it. Thank you, man. I'm pre- Johnny, right? Yes, sir. Awesome, awesome. This is yes. beautiful. So yeah, I know some of our youngsters back here don't know who you are and what you do, but you can give us an introduction. It doesn't have to be brief, but kind of introduce yourself, and we'll take the combo wherever it go. Well, Eric, I have to make the introduction proper by introducing my family because yes, I sir. come from a musical family, mm-hmm. Higgins Johnson. And <clears throat> both of my parents were musicians, and that's how they hooked up. They were on the road. <clears throat> and um, my dad was primarily a sax player, but he uh, also played trumpet and um, almost all the instruments of the uh, – Orchestra, mm. so I need to credit my parents with um, getting a, giving us a, a solid foundation as kids. I'm the middle of five kids, and when we were young, they introduced us to the music of the world even before I was in first grade. They would get those, would take us to the library, and they'd get those big sets of music from around the world, and and so it just um, and then also the fact that my dad was a musician was constantly rehearsing and having jam sessions and people in the house. Um, I was infected, you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's part of my uh, path. Um, I always like to lay that down first. Even though I come from a 
uh, a musical family, I was the hard-headed one who wouldn't practice. So I'm mostly self-taught, mm. okay? I'm actually working on reading music now. But my background is um, my parents were jazzers, but the Beatles changed my life. I'm, I'm, I'm a rock and roller. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I love everything, but my history is that, you know, I am um, one of the, I made, I, made the, I made the news back in the end of the 70s by being one of the few black people in a rock band in the area, and we rocked hard, and I had a prominent place in the band, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like when it was time to do ACDC, I sang ACDC. Okay. Okay. Mm. And um, that was at the end of the 70s with full clip. And then, you know, into the 80s, I had a band called Digital Sex. That was the next big one. And that one, I decided that I was going to see what could happen. I wasn't going to like, I'm going to make it. It was like, I'm going to see what happens. Mm. Okay. Because I was inspired. Am I, is, am I doing all right? Yeah, we're okay. good. Okay. So... I was inspired by the punk rock thing that happened at the end of the 70s, okay? The whole idea that it's the music of the streets and anybody can play it. And there's a lot of, for me, it was the anger in the music that I also identified with coming off of the black experience Mm -hmm. as well as the racist experience, okay? So anyway, that inspired me to start this band called Digital Sex. Okay, that's history. Okay. But we were the band that opened up independent music in Nebraska Mm. uh, worldwide. Mm. And um, we put out a record and then we sent it out all over the world and ended up getting picked up by a a label in France when they first started manufacturing CDs at the beginning of the 80s. And so they hooked up with us and said, "We we want our first CD to be made by you. So that happened. We were the first band in Nebraska to make a compact disc mm-hmm. other than Chip Davis of Mannheim Steamroller. Mm-hmm. He was the only one. It made the news and it made MTV news. Mm-hmm. So this is some of my, back, my background. I can just go on and on. Okay, but that's, that's some... So, so you can ask some questions and we can go from there. The other part of it besides my music is I don't know if you know about my civil rights background. Mm. Not, as, not as much as the music. You know, I'm a former member of the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Mm. And... Um, that's what, that's tied in with how I do my thing. It's very much tied in. So, man, that's that's you know, a historian. We got we got a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when it when it comes to, um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna start with the music stuff. Sure, gonna get to the Black Panther stuff. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the scene of punk rock, and you talked about identifying somewhat with the anger. Mm-hmm. Um, who were some of your inspirations in that then, and who are, who do you hear now that may be some of the contemporaries, and even in the in the uh, Black African American space? Okay, um, I can tell you right away, Black Pantera right now. Mm. Have you heard of Black Pantera Mm-mm. or Radke from down in Kansas? Mm-mm. I think I've heard the name. And they played here. That's that's current Black mm-hmm. punk too that I can mention, and then horror, horror, mm-hmm. the hip hop. Y'all got to get on this. Yeah, yeah, we are. We trying to, this is why you're here. We teach them today. <laughs> okay. There's even a Nebraska connection with horror with Plaque Blake. Plaque. Oh, yeah, I've heard of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, from so, Lincoln. Yeah. They, they toured with them. So for me, being very deeply involved in the history of rock, <clears throat> it's just it's, it's what I'm really into. 
Starting with Chuck Berry before the Beatles. Little Richard and Chuck Berry really is the beginning of what really excited me about music, okay? But when, so I just followed, the Beatles were important because that turned me on to the music of the world, knowing that music in England and Europe was really significant besides what was happening in America. Excuse me. So when the whole punk rock thing commercially happened at the end of the 70s, I was already into it because of the MC5 and Iggy Pop from the early 70s in Detroit. Mm. Now that was real street music, and they're the ones that put out that song, put up, kick out the jams, mother, mm-hmm. you know that one. Yep. Yeah, you can say whatever. Okay, kick out the jams, motherfuckers. You know, <laughs> who else? Who before them was saying shit like that? You right. know what I mean? And having concerts up in um, Detroit that were integrated, black and white audiences up there dancing, getting crazy together. You know, this was like that was the beginning. Okay, so when it hit um, Nebraska late seventies, it was the Ramones. Mm-hmm. who were one of the uh, big inspirations um, at that time. Never the Sex Pistols. They were, that was the commercial bullshit, okay? Mm-hmm. That wasn't real. So, like I said, it was the um, MC5, Iggy Pop, moving into how the Ramones took surf music and this driving beat and made something new with it. Their words weren't so much political, but it was in the feeling of that, that was coupled it with bands like The Clash and some other less well-known, The Damned, uh, and some other less well-known bands at the time that really caught my imagination. Mm-hmm. And then there was this whole spirit of DIY, do it yourself. Um, it was coming out of the 70s where Yes and Genesis were real big, and I love those bands, but it was prog rock, and it's like, you know, you had to really be a good musician. Mm-hmm. And then punk was just a complete, you know, um, reaction to that, which I dug. And um, it was the whole idea that, well, anyone can do it, and it's not about how good you are, it's about what you have to say. That's what inspired me to uh, start my own bands. Gotcha. Yes, sir. And it's it's interesting. I think people kind of who are not from a background of listening to punk rock don't understand how politically charged the music is and the message and I think, uh, I guess the closest most people get to it is like Rage Against the Machine. Right, and and that's 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 in the uh, that's in the pantheon. Mm-hmm. It reminds me to go ahead and and give some more important history. One of the bands that really was doing punk before you called it was a black band from the Detroit area called Death. You heard of Death? Yeah, I've heard okay. of Death. Okay, so. Um, Check that album out because it didn't. They didn't get it out right away, but when you hear it, it's like this was seventies. You know what I mean? Okay. But then the other band, in particular for me as a black person, that were really important to see was the Bad Brains, mm. and from the D.C. area, and that was an all-black reggae band that went into punk, and they kind of just really—they're the ones that kind of defined what we call hardcore punk. Just, and I got to see them and meet them. You know, just mm-hmm. you know, so. And that's that's cool. And I think uh, with punk, it has a lot of intersections. You know that whole rebellious spirit of hip hop yes. against uh, whatever's pop. 
um, it has some of those roots. And I think some of those still live. So are you familiar or follow like the Afropunk? Yes, I do. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when the movie came out, the director brought it to Omaha, mm. did a screening down at Love's Jazz and Arts. I got to meet him and I started talking to him. He said, man, I feel kind of stupid. I missed you. You should have been in the damn movie. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I am aware of and was aware of many of those bands, you know, uh, not too many of the black bands came through Omaha, but I was hearing about them through the recordings and tape trading and stuff with other folks. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I think there's kind of a resurgence mm-hmm. of, of black punk. I and part so. of it is the popularity and notoriety of Afropunk. Mm-hmm. But then you, you're starting to see, like, uh, one of my favorite poets and musicians is Saul Williams. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and um, hearing his influence and literally now getting a lot of placements on albums with a lot of hip-hop yeah. uh, MCs right now. So I know he just did something with Denzel Curry, who's mm-hmm. a big hip-hopper, mm-hmm. uh, punk person. He actually yeah. does a cover of Rage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, who else did he hop on? Then uh, there's a guy named Pink Sifu. I've heard of him. I haven't heard of him yet. Yeah, check. Uh, you're going to really, really, really love uh, Negro. Okay. So, I've heard of this. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going I'm to check it again. Okay. Yeah. That reminds me now. You're talking about <clears throat> current Black artists that really need to be known about Moore Mother. Is it spelled M O O R? Yes. I don't. I'm not familiar with it, but I'm gonna find. Look it. at my eyes. I see her. <laughs> this woman is so down. I mean, she is hard on blackness and sexism. Mm. She ain't playing. Mm. And she, to me, is like the current pioneer. She is not fucking around, and mm. it's really cutting edge musically, which is what I'm into. See. Mm-hmm. That's about my record collection. I'm, you know, I know about all this stuff, but I know about the stuff that y'all don't know about, and I've been knowing about it since it first happened mm. in the '60s, because it was just, it just, I'm a nerd like that. Okay, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with it, man. I, John, you got some. You got listen. I'm in school right now. Yeah, listen, we all in school. I'm playing it cool. We, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm gonna look. We gonna. I'm gonna have a lot of editing for the young guy because I might just go find all the album covers and pop them up on the video. Like, I encourage gotta, it. I encourage it. I do. So speaking of um, in school and putting people on, you know, you had the show um, that aired a segment on Adult Swim called His Corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to know how that came about. Okay, and then. What's going on? So okay. When can we get back to the corner? Well, I sure hope it happens, okay? Well, Hicks Corner came about because, like you, I'm on social media. I have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And what I do on my channel is I'm, I talk about my record collection and whatever else is on my mind. been doing it for 10 years, okay? Make a video almost every day, nothing planned, okay? So... Um, the connection to Adult Swim was that I met these cats from Atlanta who moved to Omaha trying to catch some of that Saddle Creek Records flavor. Mm. Remember when they blew up in the 90s? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, my friends came up here and started a band with, called Coyote Bones, and then they were also friends with the guy who started the band Tilly and the Wall. And Tilly and the Wall became kind of world famous because they had a tap dancer but not a drummer, okay? Mm. That's from Omaha. They were on David Letterman and shit, okay? Mm. Those are my friends, okay? Anyway, so um, they were up here doing music, and then um, one thing led to that, and they moved back to Atlanta. We kept the connection. But they're big fans of what I do, which is when they were in town, 
and we were making music together, we would get together at my house and have big listening sessions and smoking whatever, you know, but, you know, big into the music. And uh, my YouTube videos are basically connected to that where I talk about, like I say, what I bought, what I'm into, what people send me to listen to. My friends from Atlanta, when they moved back to Atlanta, got jobs at Adult Swim. And um, they uh, first floated the idea of, well, hey, let's get you, um, we'd like to get some of your content. And it started by me having a 30, a one minute segment on the show, Stupid Morning Bullshit. Yep. Okay. And that was called Old Music Fridays, where I was doing a one minute segment where because they would talk, that show was um, a mock-up of morning talk shows, okay? And so they would talk about news and new music. And so my friend David said, well, let's have you do a segment on old music or music that young people should hear about, okay? So it started like that. And um, that went on actually for like three or four years, you know, where I was doing it um, almost weekly. And um, it was nice. It started paying me. It was nice. Then come word that um, their ratings were saying that my segment on the Stupid Morning Bullshit was the most popular segment of the show. So they started to float the, the, the idea of the producers, well, let's, let's give Higgins a whole show, you know, doing his thing. And um, they went, so we had to do a spec. You know, a spec is like a pilot, yep. but, you know, you don't get paid, okay? Mm -hmm. So we did a spec. And they liked that, but nothing happened. And then just before COVID hit, they went for it, mm -hmm. and they sent a crew to Omaha. Oh. oh, that was their crew that came to. As well as Aaron and, and, and Nick. It okay. was a combination of folks from Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so they followed me around for a week, and we shot three segments, mm -hmm. and then COVID hit. Yep. And uh, my friends lost their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but one friend, Dave, who was like the main um, producer, he's back in the game, not at Adult Swim, but he's back in the production. And he says, well, I don't want the idea to die. So, you know, we'll see. Mm. Man, that's dope. Because <laughs> I, I remember just, um, you know, uh, Buddy to God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Buddy was just like, hey, man, you know, we was at his birthday. He's like, you know, Derek on Adult Swim was like, nah. So he put on Stupid Morning Bullshit. Mm -hmm. Then we just started watching his corner like, yo, this is, how we didn't know this? Yeah. And why is this record collection so crazy? Yeah. Um, those call-ins are, are amazing. And just, I, I got to know from a guy who's starting to garner more records and start to get more um how in the hell do you keep that organized and how do you know where it's at like you literally on the show turn around and just boom go right to it it's the like that's the most amazing part i've seen like you know exactly and there's a backstory to everything yeah well i'm just gonna give total disclosure i'm, I'm on the autism asperger okay Okay. That's, that's a, the greatness. I'm, All right. I'm a motherfucking nerd. Yeah. Okay. You know, I've been like this since I'm a kid, you know? Yeah. And, um, so like, for example, I see with your baby, I helped to raise two. They were on my blood, but I raised two and they're in their thirties now. And the whole thing is I just, the whole time I'm raising these kids, it was never the same. As soon as I get them niggas to bed, pardon my language. It's like I'm back in the stereo, you know what I'm saying? And, um, so 
it's just really one of my prime interests. And over the years, I've tried different things where I would put things in genres, but I don't like it. So it is quite daunting, but it's all in alphabetical order, mm. everything. And there's only a couple, there's a classical section, and then there's a soundtrack section. Everything else is blended. So you'll find the hip hop, the jazz, the rock, the electronic, the punk by alphabetical artists. And, okay. and I am at the point now where I am forgetting some of what I have. Not the bedrock of my con collection, but I buy, I, I buy, you know, mm -hmm. and so I'll be finding, oh, I didn't realize I bought that, you know. So Have you cataloged it all? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's on Discogs, and okay. uh, I'm using Discogs to do it, and I'm up okay. to around 15,000. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. Full LPs, too. Yeah. Most of them full LPs. Yeah, I've been written about, you know, um, in the record collecting magazines worldwide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I got one more music question. Yeah, and I need to check, and I need to check out your boxes too. Oh yeah, yeah, I got you. Don't worry, we're gonna do some of that. I got a couple that I'm like, man, I gotta hear Derek's uh, little thoughts on these. Yeah, because you got me on the hiatus because I don't have that one yet. Yeah, that's the new one. So yeah, I don't you know, have it yet. I, I don't have it on. See, that's why I be. Sometimes I buy on vinyl. I forget. Mm -hmm. I might have that on vinyl yeah, as well. Yeah, because I definitely wouldn't get it on vinyl. Because I, I just go like I favorite out Bandcamp and uh, mm -hmm. buy yeah, everything. Sure, sure. <laughs> Sure. Um, uh, your your punk rock band that you're a part of here, yeah, RAF, RAF. Yeah, I just want to know a little bit of the history of it, and um, it's quite a history. It's been going thirty seven years. Whew. And I do know you. Uh, was that your first uh, OMA? Um, um, no, actually, I I've won three, three or four. Three OEAs, yeah. Three OEAs, yeah. And, and two for me solo as a, a best experimental progressive musician. Mm -hmm. And then uh, R.E.F. has won twice for be best punk. But <clears throat> quick story, even though it's a long story, but I'm going to make it quick. I am a retired mental health specialist and um, licensed in the state. I used to be licensed in the, in the, the nation. But when I uh, retired, I dropped it because of fees, you right. know. But in my job as a psychiatric technician, I worked in the psych units in Omaha, several hospitals, worked in all the units. Um, in the mid-70s, I was working a lot on the adolescent units, and I was making contact with these crazy street kids, okay? And some of them were brilliant, and many of them really had no business being in the hospital. They were scapegoats from family problems, okay? Anyway, as the punk scene started to grow in Omaha and they started to bring in bands from around the world and stuff, I would be going to those shows and I'd be running into these kids, okay? One of them in particular is named Matt, Matt Miller, who was hyper, this hyper as hell but super intelligent, okay? Just hell on wheels, okay? I kept running into him at shows and he says, well, we need a bass player, you want to join my band? I said, man, I can't be doing that one, chill. I was, you was in the hospital. I ain't supposed to even be talking to your ass, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, if they talk to me first. Yeah, you can talk. Yes. I, I worked at a mental health facility. Oh, you know. So I know. Okay. Yep. yep. You know, and to this day, when people see me, they, they run me down. Hey, hey, you know what I mean? <laughs> they want to talk. But anyway, so I put him off until at one show, and I remember the show was this band called Epigees from Chicago. He came up to me and he had his guitar player with him who I had never met before. They were kids, okay? You know, they were still like in high school at the time. But when I, when I met Paul, I saw Paul, 
something clicked. They said, okay, I'm getting the vibe. And I was right. He was, he's a music guy. We're, to this day, we're best friends, and I'm the godfather of his daughter's stuff. But anyway, when I met Paul, I said, okay, I'm going to check this out. And, um, and that's how it started, okay? Mm-hmm. And at first, the band was kids really kind of pretending in a way. And I'll take credit for it. You know, once I got involved, I said, man, you guys are good. Let's, let's, let's try it for real. Let's make this real. And that's how that got started. Mm. Oh, man. And are, you all are still performing today. Yeah. Oh. Now, the unfortunate thing is our drummer um, inherited some money, and he and his wife moved to, to Arizona. And so now we're doing the long distance thing. Yeah. We got a show in September, and he's going to fly in, and we'll rehearse for it. But it, 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 it's, it's a bummer. Yeah. You know, I'm happy for them, but, you know. He's in it with the band, man. What about the band? I'm telling you, we tried to work that. Like, you know? I got a wife, man. I got a well, wife. Well, she got involved, too, and you don't want to met, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> don't get wifey going. For sure. Mm. Uh, yeah. Johnny, man, what's yeah, up? I got, hey, listen, man. I'm just sitting back getting a yeah. history lesson. Yeah. I think um, the first time that I was introduced to Mr. Higgins, I think it was 2013 or 2014, you was doing an artist in residency over at the Carver Bank. Yes, okay. And you had, um, you had a, a skull that you created out of keyboard keys or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So I know we didn't mention you as like your civil rights and a little bit of your, mar- and, you know, like your music expertise. Mm-hmm. But what about you and your artistic expression and creation? How did you get into the digital art world and the, the visual art world and just being artistic? Well, they kind of go together. Thank you for asking, Joe, um, jo, because um, along with the music, my parents, because we were poor, you know, mm-hmm. financially, and... Uh, Oh, I got a good story there because my dad was was uh, could pass for white. Mm. He's mm. redheaded. He's redhead, real light skin. But anyway, um, he ended up going from being a manager to a janitor at a at a company where he was outed. Okay, mm. so anyway, we went from being pretty good at the beginning of the sixties to just being you know what most folks are. But and, but my parents were just real smart and they would just bring home junk and paper and cardboard boxes and then just say we can't give you no no toys but y'all make something out of this okay so that's where the art started Mm. and all of my brothers and sisters are artists my younger sister worked for disney for 20 something years Mm. her husband is walt is floyd norman the disney legend the Mm. first black animator with Mm. disney Mm. and she redesigned mickey mouse Got credit for it. The modern mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse. Okay. She did. She did that. Okay. Uh, my older brother James is an amazing artist. He, um, for a time, worked for Death Row. He designed um, um, tour T-shirts for Snoop Dogg. Um, he is in one of those videos, one of Snoop's videos. So, and his art, his visual art. So I can't even touch them. Okay. Mm. So it's in the family. So I've always done visual art, always painted, and then I started doing collage, and that's what got picked up by Bemis, mm. and um, that's what I was doing down there. Man, that's <laughs> whole lot, man. We don't know what we got in Omaha. We <laughs> well, I tell you what, if if I was white, I listen. Right? I, I ain't going to say no names, but if you was white, you'd be as famous as them around check, here. Running, check, running. check. And I was at that sucker's first show. Mm. If we know, if I'm thinking about who you're talking about. You probably the, know who I'm talking about. Yeah, he was yeah, the yeah. Uh, 
guy that Saddle Creek made all the money with? Nope. No, different person. But I'm rocking with you anyway. Okay. Hmm. I wonder I'm on who you're thinking of. We'll get to it later. Okay, I probably know him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I. I mean, it's often said it's like a hidden, a hidden gem. You know, uh, we're deep in the valley in Omaha, so people just don't know what and who we have here. No, no, Curly Martin, he'll be going on about it all the time, mm -hmm. and he's right because down on Twenty Fourth on the Deuce, you know, up until the '60s, everyone from Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong, mm -hmm. Miles Davis, Chick Corea—I mean, Miles Davis and John Coltrane—have been to my house here in mm -hmm. Omaha, you know, and it's like. Just like with Malcolm X, Omaha, it's like they don't want to know. You know what I mean? It's like the city doesn't want to know, but we have such a rich, deep history of music, particularly in um, the black community, that's just being being lost, really. Yeah. it's um, I, You know, I know some people say, you know, Curly has his way on expressing on Facebook, mm -hmm. but it's hard to refute the information that he's saying. Right. He's on point. I mean, it's like, I'm friends with Curly, so I can hang. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He is like, boom, you know. But he's on point. He is. Um, and speak, even on that note, it's like having like people who don't know that his son is Terrace Martin, who exactly. works with everybody, everybody in the industry. One of the premier hip-hop producers living. Yeah. And the Omaha Connection. I had to miss the show that just played. Did you get to go? Uh, Johnny did. did. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I heard it was real late and kind of loose. Uh, it was a beautiful show. Uh, awesome. The organist that they had on there was was amazing. So definitely amazing show. Awesome. Awesome. So you asked me how I got started. Yeah. Uh, really came from my pops. Uh, my dad's Nigerian. Okay. And from Nigeria. And it really started with him two things one um playing a lot of music from back home so mm -hmm. a lot of nigerian high life music, high life yeah um just randomly mm -hmm. in the house um always having gatherings mm -hmm. so we you know i guess you can call me black american but he made sure i was around it at every party so eating the food mm -hmm. going to the fest i'm talking about the all night anybody know about nigerians when there's a f festivity it doesn't stop till about nine in the morning. Yeah, I've been to one. Yeah. One. You go to dinner, you mm -hmm. party, mm -hmm. and you keep partying until breakfast is served. Amazing food, too. Yeah. So, mm. um, <clears throat> always playing music, always having, my dad was the guy that had the parties. Mm -hmm. And I kind of took that from him. So, I always like gatherings and getting people together. Okay. So, he, I would literally be like, y'all go to sleep. I'm like, it's thumping <laughs> next to my head. Like, so we would come out sneaking through the party. Mm -hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff. Same, uh, same here, exactly. Yep. Exactly. And then, too, from him, uh, being in Texas, we had a big, big mixtape culture in hip-hop. Hmm. Huge mixtape culture to where we were actually not only, you know, chopped and screwed music from DJ Screw, mm -hmm. um, but also just mixing, comp making compilation tapes and people naming them. Mm -hmm. So, like, even, like, one of the most famous series in uh Texas was a chopped and screwed, which is extremely slowed down, but they would chop and screw R&B music. So mm. you're slowing down slow music. Oh, wow. And they called it fuck action. Okay. So I remember, I still have a couple somewhere up there. Awesome. Some of those fuck action tapes. I can hear it in my head yeah. already. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. um, but just always going to the barbershops and getting the bootleg tapes mm -hmm. and bringing them home. So I would always have music before everybody else had it because he would get it from the bootlegger mm. and I would take them to school. 
So even before they dropped on the radio, a lot of DJs already had to cuss, and they were cutting these tapes. Gotcha. And they were burning them and making their money. They selling. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would always come up on tapes like at least a week before some songs came out on the radio and stuff like that. You're the real deal DJ. Yeah, so I just yeah. kind of kind of grew from there. So I didn't even start DJing until I got to Omaha. Mm. I just had an interest in wanting to do it because I was always the guy at the parties who would kind of end up on the ox court. Yes. And then I would always play like stuff that's not necessarily on the radio, but still right. would keep the party going. Yes, yes. So I, I always, I call myself a digital crate digger. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for something that's not popular, but that's better than what's on the radio. And there's a lot out there. Yeah, so I, I, I buy whole albums. Like mm-hmm. people know, that's why I don't even do streaming because I have to, I need the actual MP3 or MP4 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I go through records. Like if you listen to me riding around, it's not singles. I'm listening to full albums. Mm-hmm. And as I'm listening, I'm sparse, parsing out. Mm-hmm. What, what? Oh, this could go in this yeah. set. This mm-hmm. can go here. This gotcha. can go here. And I just build my crates from there. So, And then just here, I linked up with DJ Mr. Soul on the Humbug. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe did a solid for him. So he said I could take his class for free. Went to a kid's class with my grown ass. <laughs> and I took his session for like six weeks. And from there, it was... Off to the races. It's on. Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. But, but yeah, man. Uh, I do got some records, so I'm see if you if you are familiar with any of these, and if you're not, I might have to let you hold some, play some of these. Yeah. In your spare time, but that one you might be. I think that's well, a this, band out of D.C. Well, this top one gets my t- attention right away because I know that I don't have it, but it's a cover. Experience Unlimited. It's something. Yes, that I've been looking for. Now, this is a reissue of it, Vinyl Me Please. Yep. This originally came out in mid-70s probably, right? Yep. Okay. So I can't remember if I've heard this, but this is like on my list of things I would like to get. Okay. Uh, Joe Benson. You know Joe Benson? Very yeah. much. Very much. He so. actually found a copy. I had He had okay. put it on um, Instagram, and I messaged him like, yo, I mm-hmm. got that in my uh, collection from mm-hmm. Vinyl Me Please. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah, me and Joe, we go we go back. Of course, Enoch Light and then the whole Command series. Mm. They have a whole series of, of records, which are pretty cool. Um, Jungle Brothers, of course, you got to give it up for the Jungle Brothers. And I don't think they're um, properly recognized for their historical place in bringing um, what I call um, sophistication to hip-hop. Mm. Jungle Brothers. I haven't heard this one, no. Straight out of the jungle. Yep. You haven't even opened it up yet. Nope, not that one. And straight house music, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. original house. Yeah. Oh, Brother Hunter, of course, I know her her history. Yeah. Now, this yeah. is interesting. Tanbu Tujulu. I do not recognize this, but it's merengue. It's a blend of... Um, it's a blend. D- of different artists? Uh, no, the same artists. Same artists? As far as styles. Okay. Um, but that is one you should definitely, definitely listen to. Um, extremely interesting. Tanbu Tujulu. Yep. I got it right here. And, uh, when I, I have home. a digital, so if I get your email, I can definitely drop it to you digital as well. Mm-hmm. So, But, yeah, that's one I suggest anybody who collects records, this one. And, of course, Al- Alberta. I, I was at the uh, – I can't remember the name of the record store that's off of 76th and Cass over there by – Yeah, Recycled. Recycled, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was over there. You know, he – boy, that's enough. Stuart. Yes. I have history with Stuart and his family. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good history. Uh, uh, interesting. Interesting history. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but Remember, t- I'm a mental health specialist. Yes. Okay. Got you. So it's funny walking in any record store, mm-hmm. um, whether there are like Rainbow, 
if you don't have an hour and a half on hand, you might you might want to get out because they <laughs> everybody at a record store is a walk-in mm-hmm. uh, librarian, yeah. music librarian. They talk, chat. Want to talk? Yeah. I actually, just saw Vince from Rainbow at the grocery at the grocery store uh, two days ago. Mm-hmm. Just talked to him. Like, yeah, I gotta get down there, but I know I need to block out a good mm-hmm. hour and a half for real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, speaking of Rainbow, um, the family band with my dad. I had a band with my dad and my brothers. Um, R&B and jazz, just good music. We were the first band that Rainbow recorded when they opened the studio. That's amazing. Yeah. And people don't know Rainbow. Rainbow has a very, very rich history. national international history yeah. of yeah. recording artists. Yeah, he's, it's kind of mind-blowing because Nils is such a character, but I mean, he's worked with everyone from Billy Cobham to Boyz II Men and in between. Yep. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, with... Uh, with June being uh, Black Music Month, um, what can you? I just want to know what is. Do you feel the significance of hearing uh, Black voices in not what we think are non-traditional Black spaces, as far as music and media in general? I think it's very important because the backstory to almost everything in mainstream white America uh, points to a dark face mm. and and dark history. Black people brown people, yellow people. And so it's about time that this, this colonial um, backdrop of um, exceptionalism and we own the world and it's our pearl, it's, it's, um, it's got to go. It's really important. You know, I knew from the beginning that rock music wasn't white. Mm-hmm. You know, that it was what we call cultural appropriation. And I've just really been about just basically saying, well, it's mine from the beginning. And I love seeing so many young people in many ways taking it back or just claiming it. And that's including Asians and Hispanic people. Um, I can't say enough how important I think it is for young people of color to step up and mash it up and make that rainbow real in our culture because it's still way too white. And, you know, I do blow some white people's minds when they meet me because, you know, they'll hear my music and I'm very knowledgeable about white music, but I'm a human being, you know, I'm gonna tell it how it is, you know what I'm saying? You know, and um, the story is just so, lopsided, one-sided, and so it's, I just think it's very important for young people to express themselves however it comes out, however it comes out, do it. Yes, sir. Y'all heard it from Derek. I mean, look at Pharrell Pharrell Williams, for example. It's like Mm -hmm. you hardly know what, what nationality is, you know, and he's just all over the place, and he has in many ways, redefined beat making in some ways. Mm. Someone from Omaha could do that. So I'm very much encouraging when I, you know, all the young people I can ever be around, don't be afraid of your true identity. Because I used to get beat up for who I am, Mm. you know, and I persevered, you know, because I knew that the people beating me up, it's like, y'all some dumb motherfuckers, y'all. I don't know, you know. Yeah. 
And uh, you weren't inside the box. <laughs> you were making boxes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> still working on it. Yeah. My uh, latest record, it's like it doesn't go in any particular genre. It's, it's electronic, but it's not house music. It's not techno. I have my own sound. Mm. And I encourage that in people, you know. What you hear, do it. Do it. What's the What's the name of the record? Future Still, if you haven't heard it. Mm. Future Still, it's on a label out of Chicago, FPE. And um, we did a limited edition of it, but um, it's doing really well. And um, I'll actually make some royalties off of it, actually. Okay. Yeah. But uh, that's because I LLC'd. You know, I went ahead and got my publishing together. Oh, so it's published under you? Yes. Hey. Hey. I had to get that together, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's a whole nother issue. It's like um, ownership, you know, and own your stuff if you can, mm-hmm. you know, copyright it at the very least. But, you know, I I have my digital sex stuff is in contention because that was through a, a publisher, but I'm trying to get my 50 percent mm-hmm. of it. You know what I'm saying? Is is the, what do you, what do you say to the to the youngsters who are getting into music and are. I won't say the ones that's just starting out, but the ones that really have an opportunity to, let's say, get a major offer. Um, is it? Are you telling them to make sure you own outright? Are you telling them to kind of look at the deal for what it is and not get pigeonholed to something that may be too long? Or what are you saying? Well, I think it depends on what you want. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, you need to be informed, okay? I'm going to use Jocelyn for an example. You know Jocelyn, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yep, she, got, yep. she got signed to be BMG, okay? It appears to me that she has good sense about her. She has people around her who are watching her back a little bit because when you get involved with the majors, which I've never wanted, to be honest with you, um, and I have stories, okay, where I almost got a deal, and I'm glad I didn't. There's a lot to be done outside of the majors, but when you go, get, when you get into a situation where someone thinks that you have something that can make money, um, and they're talking contracts, you do need to look at those contracts really closely, okay? And when people are talking about multi-page contracts, that's a red flag to me, okay? Mm-hmm. Because that isn't necessarily necessary. Prince... Um, before he died, started working on agreements. No written contracts. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Check it out, okay? And he was on the right track, which is contracts can bind you with all these caveats that are unnecessary to get the music out. And so young people that want to pursue that avenue of like doing like um like following a chance the rapper trying to get to the point where you're making money uh, you really do need to be paying attention to everybody and everything that's going on and read everything and don't be signing nothing that you don't know what it means that's what i'd say mm-hmm. but the other thing that's been shown and billy eilish is a very good example of it is that you can make something big happen almost on your own terms if you persevere um you have to have something i mean i'm not a eilish fan but her beats that she comes up they're actually rather good Mm -hmm. they are 
So if you know you have something, you know, um, be all about it. Be all about it because I'm still in the game because I, you know, I come from a hippie background where I wanted to just do it for the music man, you know, and I've survived, you know, by learning over the years. You know, I've been ripped off and been involved in some really stupid stuff because of that old hippie attitude. But um, no, this is not the time and date for those sort of um, um, outlooks. You need to know your business. Mm. Know your business. For sure, for sure. Man. Well, you heard it here, so don't. <laughs> we keep telling people to get on their business. Get on business. Johnny's been on me about certain things, and rightfully so. Yeah, no. Uh, are you, you own your business? Yes. Yeah, well, I've LLC'd the business. Okay, see, there you it go. It goes into the business. There you and, go. Um, even like just from me and Johnny's standpoint, the more we've grown together, the more we also know that we need to be, if we're going to be in business together, it needs to be business. Yes. And that way we can always separate the business from the friendship and Correct. everything can be black and white and upfront. Correct. So we know what we're going into. Exactly. You have your imprint and you have your agenda and there it is. And then you have your life and there that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we are, you know, some lessons. Luckily, I haven't had any hard lessons, mm -hmm. but it's always a, a learning and a process and then getting over, oh, well, we cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it, it's always simple, simple language, simple contracts, yeah. but it's, yeah. they still need to be present just so people know what job needs to be done, what exactly. job is going to be done. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, and our guys here are great with working with us and and uh, having a voice and letting us know what's what. Mm -hmm. um, and that track was smooth on the beginning. Yeah. The, the intro, that was nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we, we're we getting there. We're, we're managing it. We're managing. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your energy and what I see you're trying to do. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Trying to be a positive influence, um, black-oriented, black you know, um, but with fresh energy. Oh yeah. That's why I decided when you asked me to do this, I said, Yeah, yeah, I see what you're I see what you're about, you know. Yep. And then I worked with your wife and I know she is <laughs> Rock solid. She is just <laughs> the right kind of people, you know. There ain't enough there aren't enough people like Joanne. Right. Yes. Yeah, I know. That's why I snatched her. <laughs> you did the right thing, my brother. You did the right thing. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. Um anything else you want to get to, Johnny? Oh man, like I said, I'm just here learning, right. bro. You know, uh, I just want to thank y'all for letting me come up here and run my mouth, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're definitely going to have to sit in on a couple. Of, hey, people, Higgs Corner has to come back. Yeah. I don't care yeah. if it's done with them or however we're going to get that going. I just want to be in the room. Um, that um, that one you had where the guy was driving from uh, Phoenix or Arizona to L.A. Mm -hmm. and um, that record um, – I forgot the name of the record was Shamal. I forgot the artist. Oh. I think it was Shamal. Was the name? Oh, Gong. Gong. Gong yeah. yeah, Gong. I just actually on my channel, I just interviewed one of the original members from Gong. Mm. So I'm kind of moving in that area now. Okay. You know? And uh, that was cool to get that set up because that wasn't really that easy, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad it happened because you know I know his stuff. I know his, he was really surprised. Oh, you know, but yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, so I would love for that to happen, and um, love to have you uh, come by the house and just check out the collection. You know, because my whole house it takes up the whole house. Yeah, fifteen thousand pieces. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's talking about wall art, wallpaper. That 
And I do have some collectibles. I have records that are worth a thousand dollars just for the one record, mm. and they're not for sale. I've willed it to my uh, my uh, nephews and great nephews. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I ain't about selling my stuff anymore. All right. No, pass the will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pass the will. Absolutely. So maybe they might do something with it, but that ain't your. That ain't. Yeah, your, it's up to them. Yeah, yeah, you built it, so it's for them. Yeah, it's up to them. Well, man, I definitely appreciate you coming by. I'm excited to. Uh, it's crazy. You don't meet too many people who are considered elders who we can say we're excited to see what they're coming up with. <laughs> you know. Um, I try to be in the here and the now. I try to be in the here and the now. Well, another thing I'd like to have happen is I'm in the Nebraska Music Hall of Fame, which is basically I'm in the Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. but I'm not in the Black Music Hall of Fame. Okay, so... My dad is. What's the deal? I ain't black enough? What? <laughs> I mean, I've really dealt with a lot of that, to be honest with you, Eric. Yeah, no, I believe you. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know all those people, but we're going to find those people, and we're going we gonna to handle that. That doesn't make any sense. So we have to learn to celebrate, Everyone. recognize, identify, recognize, and yeah. celebrate our own before anybody else gets to us. We really do. We really do. Um, takes me back to when I was a kid, Buddy Miles, you know, who played with Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Um, his first cousin, John, was my playmate back in uh, middle school. And so they would get the uh, promos of Buddy's records before they come out on the market. And I remember his first solo album, Expressway to Your Skull, which was partially produced by Jimi Hendrix. Mm. The family was embarrassed by it because it was so far out. I mean, it was really cutting edge. And I would have to beg them because it was out. You know, John was my my playmate. So I'd go over and I'd beg him, play play Buddy's new record, you know. Mm. And that stuff turned me on. And it's Mm. like Buddy Miles is um, a game changer. He's a truly a history maker. You know, it's like, and we don't have a street named after him. None of that. And there's, I can go down a list. And frankly, Curly Martin is on that list mm-hmm. of people, along with my dad and Preston Love and mm-hmm. some of these other folks that I can't even call their names now that should not be forgotten. Yeah. And if anything, now I keep, I'll, I'll go ahead and put, stick my foot out. I tend to try to do my own thing. I'm not too politically involved. I've done community work in the past, and it really wears you out. So that's why I haven't done a lot. But I'd really like to see Dana Murray make the new center, what used to be Lubbs, I'd really like to see that really be something that enriches the community and somehow lights a spark again regarding the music history here. I could see myself getting involved in something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I, whatever way we can help, uh, or I'll speak for myself, whatever way I can help, um, I'm with that. Um, just understanding and knowing just a, a a splash in that pool of rich history that we have. Just even being here the last nine years, like it's it's amazing and a, and also a bit of a disappointment how we don't pay homage to yeah to what was here and what could be. You could be here. And so I think knowing what was here would help what could be here uh, a lot, especially with our young talent and yeah. Uh, Inspiring artists. We need to get that on on display. We we can we can talk more about that. Yes, we can. Yes, sir. Man, thank you so much, Eric and Joe. Yes, brothers on the console. Thank you all so yes, much. Sir, man, we appreciate you coming by, dropping just a little bit of game. Um, we gotta just we gotta just sit in the house. <laughs> we gotta come <laughs> sit in your house, please, and just sit and let you do your thing. Do do please. That's so much, man. Uh, any words, Johnny? Man, 
It's your host, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, like, yo. Thank you. It's a, a mindfuck, yeah, but my, in a good way. Yeah, my pleasure. My yes, pleasure. sir. We appreciate y'all. This Street Saying Our Podcast, man. We'll catch y'all next time, man. Peace. Peace. The beats. The beats. The flow. The flow. The rhythm. The rhythm. The rhythm. All movement starts from the streets. Street Saying.